Come on, come on, church. Come on. Give it up for God this morning. Let's do it. Man, it's Sunday morning. And I love Sundays. Yes, why is it? Why do we love Sundays? It's our fun day. Come on. The fact that we come together and sing praise to an awesome God and celebrate life changed through his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, and he, come on, I mean, think about this morning. We're singing praise to an awesome God, and we're watching parents live missionally with their own kids. Yeah. Come on. Our, our mission as a church is to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. And here we have making more and better disciples of Jesus Christ in our homes, in our families, right to the roots of who we are. Come on, church. Man, oh man. Hey, I know they brought it up real quick uh, that we have this worship night coming up this Friday at 7 p.m. Uh, anybody who's cool is going to be here. All right, I mean, anybody who loves Jesus is going to be here. All right, come on. <laughs> 7 o'clock is going to be a great night. We, we would love to have you join us and bring some friends and families um, and to hear about the, what our Jesus is through song and worship. You know, church, this morning we're stepping into a new series. I think it's one of the most practical conversations that we can have, and the series is titled Greater Than. I think every single one of us at one point in our lives has compared ourselves to others around us. I mean, come on, we live in a world that's saturated comparison. They do it all the time. I mean, we, when, when this idea of one-upping someone next to us or, or looking up to them and wanting what they have and being better than them, it just bleeds in our society. It's filling our society. It happens all day long in sports. You think about that, who just won the Super Bowl? What quarterback was better? Who had better stats? You know, we're comparing guys in sports. We do it in businesses. You know, which business has the biggest gross profits or which, uh, which has the best employees or the best bosses or which ones are growing the most. Uh, we do that in schools. You go to schools and which teacher's your best teacher because this and which students are your best classmates because of that. I mean, we do it all the time. We do it in our homes. How many, what, how many children here or when you were a child heard, why can't you act like your brother? Why can't you act like your sister? We're comparing our kids. And we also do it in churches. Like it or not, it happens all the time. People compare churches. They compare pastors. They compare what they're doing. And this thing is just saturated. We do it more than we think. And it harms our lives more than we can imagine. We do it more than we think, and it harms our lives more than we can imagine. I mean, when we go through life comparing ourselves to others around us, we jump on the fast track train to the land of Ur. The land of Ur. Welcome to the land of Ur, friends, if you're walking through this with us this morning. The land of Ur is when we look at the lives of other people. And then we look in the mirror like, okay, this is my life, and we want more er of what they have. We look at them, okay, we don't have what they have, so we want more er. We want more of what they have. We want to be rich er. We want to be smart er. We, some of us want to be tall er. And you think about it, some of us want to be thin er. We want to be pretty-er. We want to be happy-er. 
We want to be talented. Er. All right. So that one didn't work. But you get the idea, right? There are so many errs around us in life, bombarding us from all sorts of different directions. Normally, they're connected to the people right in front of us. But man, sometimes we look at a distance and we want what they have. We desire to be who they are. We compare our lives to theirs and think they are greater than us. It's crazy. And that's just the half of it. We also put ourselves on the other side of this. Instead of looking up to others and wanting what they have and being who they are with all their errs, we start looking down at people who are around us. They are short er. They are heavy er. They are poor er. They are ugly er. Oh, we would never say that out loud, right? Come on. I mean, we're Christ followers. We want to talk about that. We compare ourselves to others, raising ourselves above them. And then we run to this major problem that we have in life, feeling that we are superior than others. And that is no good either. At the end of the day, we can draw from one conclusion. Listen. If you're already tuning me out, you're like, okay, we worship rich. I'm going to look at my emails. I'm, I'm going to get my morning siesta, whatever you want to do right now. I want you, if you don't remember anything else I say from this point forward, oh, actually, I want you to write this down. So if you have notes, write this down. If you have your apps, type in your apps. If you have an ink pen, I want you to tattoo it on the arm of the person next to you, okay? Hey, this stuff is that important. Because here it is, at the end of the day, here is what is real. There is no win in comparison. There is no win when it comes to comparison. Say this with me. There is no win comparison. Okay, let's try to say it in unison. There is no win. There is no finish line. There is no complete satisfaction, no sense of accomplishment. There is no win in comparison. Because here's the truth. You are greater than no one, and no one is greater than you. Think about this. We've had this problem since the beginning of time. This idea of wanting to be greater. Satan wanted to be like God, and he was cast out of heaven. Adam and Eve, right in the beginning of all things, want to be like God, thinking that God was holding something back from them. In fact, I was just reading about this last night. It was, I was preparing for this morning. In Genesis chapter 3, it says something really, really interesting. It's not going to be on the screen, but i got to get there. He said they're talking, he's, and he says, For the God knows that we will be eat from the tree, your eyes will be open, and we will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the, the tree was good for and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. So she looked at this fruit that God says, don't go after it. She says, I want to be wiser like God. And it's been feeding down through every single generation after generation, right up to you and me, right here, right now, this morning. 
I guarantee if you stop and look back in the history pages of your life, there's a really, really good chance that you have lived and spent some time in the land of Ur, that you have had an Ur problem. Maybe you walked in this morning and you're doing it right now. You have this Ur problem. And because it's, because it's part of your life and it's happening right now, you feel as if you have a sense of shame. You have this idea that you're unrelatable, that you're unwanted, that you're not good enough, you're unsatisfied, you're unconnected, you're empty, and you feel unworthy, right? And the list could go on and on because that's the damage of Ur in your life. There's no win in comparison. Let me explain. Open our Bibles, if you would, to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, we're going to start at verse 4 this morning. If you grabbed a Bible on the way in, those orange Bibles, you will find it on page 457. 457. By the way, if you grabbed one of those Bibles and you came in and you do not have a Bible of your own, please take it. This is our gift for you. You already heard this morning, I desire for you to have a copy of God's Word in your hand. And if you saw them and you didn't know what they were for and you don't have a Bible and you want one, grab one on your way out. Take one with you home. We have Boxes upon boxes, we want you to have God's word. Ecclesiastes, as you're getting to your Bible, your Bible app this morning, uh, is an amazing book full of wisdom, and it's written by one of the wisest men who's ever lived, and his name's King Solomon. And it's very fitting to see what he has to say about the more err that's happened to us in life. And because he has more ur than any of us ever will. He was wiser, richer, accomplished more ur than we can ever think about. I mean, he had kings and queens sitting at his feet. But what he says about comparing ourselves to others is pretty revealing. So look at this, Ecclesiastes 4, look at verse 4. He says, I saw, I saw that all the toil and achievement spring from one person's envy of another. I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. Friends, people toil to reach a certain position in life, a certain position in work, a status in life, a financial wealth in the bank. They toil because what they do is what we do is we look over our shoulders. We look to the left and to the right, and we want what people have. We want to be like them. We want to emulate them. We want to one-up them. And this word envy, I want to be really, really clear, is more than just discontent. Envy is discontent sprinkled with a whole bunch of jealousy. It's a whole bunch of jealousy. It's a sense of jealousy. We want to have it. I need to have it. I deserve to have it. Wanting what they have, so we toil, we work harder to do more, to have more. And some of us have seen this in our lives. I don't need to tell you stories because you've walked through it. We have fallen to this greater than in this world. The land of Ur has caused problems in our lives. Some of us maybe have been overwhelmed with debt. 
You know, we have purchased things. We have done things. We are wearing things. We're holding on to things because all we do is look at what other people have and how they're living around us, and we want what they have and be who they are. That is the land of Ur. Come on, we have seen people lose weight, and we're envious of their losing weight, and we want to be just like them, so we decide we're just going to stop eating. And we wonder why we pass out in the grocery store. Here's the thing. If you are right now recognizing, recognizing that you have fallen into the trap, you are sitting in the land of Ur, don't hang your head. Don't hang your head. Because every single one of us in this room is right there with you. Come on, right? Do me a favor. Look at your neighbor and tell them, me too. All right, again, tell the person you just ignored on the other side of you, me too. We are all in this together. Every single one of us lives in the land of Ur. We go there, we play there, we get hurt there. I mean, if I'm being honest, I have been, there's been times in my life where I've ended up in the land of Ur, and I'm like, oh my word, what is happening? Where I look at other pastors, and I think, man, if I just had more Ur, maybe some multiple things would be radically different. Let me give you an example. Several years ago, I started using uh, Instagram uh, as a, try to use it as a ministry platform. I mean, I, I've shared this multiple times. I only use social media for two reasons. One is to tell people how much I love life. And two is to connect people to the Jesus who gives me that life. All right? But I started following some, some pastors of some big, big name pastors of big churches to watch what they're doing. What are they, what are they posting on Instagram? What are they sharing? What are they, what are they doing? And then I found myself looking at how many followers they have. Okay? So I want you to take a look at some of the things that I found. You're going to recognize some of these people. Here's, look at this first guy. Everybody know this guy? Craig Groeschel. Craig Groeschel. Life.church. He has, look at this. Look at this. One million followers on Instagram. Crazy. Crazy, right? Come on, Craig. And then we have this other guy. Anybody know this guy? Andy Stanley, pretty cool dude down in Atlanta, Georgia, right? He has, look at this, an Instagram, he has 118,000 followers. I wonder if you look at Craig Rochelle like, what happened to all my followers? Right? Come on. Let's be real. Okay, let's look at the third guy. Kerry Newoff. Is anybody familiar with this guy? Kerry Newoff is an author. He's an author and a leadership guru. He was a lead pastor of a church in Canada called Connexus Church. Great podcasts listen to. But Kerry Newoff, what does he have? An Instagram. He has 55,000 followers. All right, so these are the guys I'm looking at. There's a ton more out there, right? And we can look at more. And then you have this guy. You know him? This guy has... (laughs) 
Now, remind you, I said I started this platform several years ago. <laughs> Come on. Look at these numbers. By the way, show the next slide if you would. You want to help a brother out. <laughs> so by second service, that better be at least a 215. <laughs> oh, my word. We are in this together, yes? yes? Okay, now that's out of the way. Let's move on. Let's get into this. We toil to be like everyone else, but we have to look at what Solomon says next. This, too, is meaningless. This, too, is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. It's an absolute meaningless. Now, chasing after wind is something that sounds a little strange to us. Because I don't think it's in our normal behavior for us to go outside and start chasing after the wind. By the way, if you do that, please be ready for a knock on your front door for a mental health check. It's going to happen. Be chasing out the wind? I don't know. But a year ago, we went through a series and we we're in Ecclesiastes. And I brought this idea of chasing after the wind. I brought in the idea of bubbles as an illustration and that visual idea of what it looks like to chase after wind, because I don't know about you, but we, we've also all probably have chased bubbles at one point in our lives. And I was running around the auditorium, we had bubble guns all over the place, and those bubbles were floating. You know, we, at one point, we have chased bubbles. In fact, I was at a wedding yesterday, a wedding ceremony, and they came out, and then we all had these bubbles, and, and I was blowing these bubbles, and the kids were all excited. They're behind me blowing all their bubbles, and chasing, well, I was with them, never mind. I was with them, and we were chasing after bubbles. But if you've ever chased after a bubble, you're like, I got to get it. I got to get it. And you finally catch one in your hand. What happens? You end up with nothing. That's exactly what King Solomon is saying. Toil and achievement based on envy. Wanting more err in our lives will leave us with nothing. No satisfaction. No completion. Why? Because there is no win in comparison. None. It will leave you with nothing. But then Solomon gives us a word of warning. Look at this. In verse 5, it says, Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Let's stop there again. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. The opposite of toiling is doing nothing. Or is it? As I said earlier, Solomon had more ur than we could ever add up to in our lives. More gold, more land, more kingdoms, more wives. Whatever he could be, whatever could be in his life, he had more ur of it in his life. In the midst of telling us not to toil out of envy, now he warns us about the failure of doing nothing. He says, fools do nothing and end up with nothing. Solomon didn't gain all he had by doing nothing. We don't, we don't do nothing. We sit here and do nothing. We don't end up with anything in our lives when we just do nothing in life, right? Come on. There is something we need to be done. And I read this verse, and I think if we just stop right here, I would be absolutely confused. I mean, are you with me on this? I mean, he says, don't toil out of envy. Don't go work hard and get more money. But then he says, don't sit there and do nothing. So Solomon, what do you want from me, dude? Right? If we were to end right here, I'd be highly frustrated. 
But that's why we love what he says in verse 6. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Do me a favor and write this word down. Contentment. That's what he's talking about, friends. Being content. The opposite of toiling of envy it is not doing nothing. The opposite of toil is contentment. Being content where you are at. Being content with what God has blessed you with and who you are. There's nothing wrong with wanting more and doing more in life. There is not. But there's everything wrong when we do it with a toil and envy and being jealous of others, thinking that's when we achieve success. One brings tranquility. The other leaves you feeling empty. And here's what happens. Here's what happens in our lives when we buy into this. We get on this train and we land up at the end of Ur and we're chasing and toiling. You have bought into the world's view of you, not God's view of you. You've bought into what the people say that you need to be in life to be successful, to look good, to be good. You've bought into what the world is throwing down and you're not buying into what God says about you in his word. You're not good enough. You feel like you're not good enough, so you look in the mirror like, come on, I need more er in my life. You need to be pretty er, set by the standards of this world. You need to be richer to have more and more and more. To be accomplished, to be fit er. You name it, friends. Our culture tells us we need to be living in the land of er. And if we don't have er, we are a failure. It's not what God says. Look at this in Philippians chapter 4. A guy named Paul, who is a follower of Jesus, he writes in chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be what? I learned to be what? In whatever circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being what? In every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living on plenty or in want, wherever I am, whatever I have, I would choose to be content over comparing myself to others. And when we are living in contentment, we will find great peace in life, tranquility, that King Solomon just got done telling us about. Here, this is why it's important. When we are toiling for more er in our lives, we are rarely or barely listening to God. When we are toiling from our er in our lives, we are rarely or barely listening to God, seeing what He has for our lives. Why? Because our heads are down. 
We're working out our own plan to do our own thing because we've bought into the lie of earth and the word. We're chasing after the wind and we're missing what God wants for us. You with me on that? I've asked Colton Reed to come up here. And we're going to illustrate this this morning. Thanks, brother, for coming up and helping me out with this. I'm going to grab my bag of ur. Come on over. Stand over there if you would. Don't be nervous. So you think about this. This is our bag of ur, the things that we may chase after in life. Let me just look what I got in here. Boy, I got some stuff. All right, okay, here we go. Coffee. Coffee. You can put your hands out. We chase after coffee. I mean, we go to uh, McDonald's, it's cheap, or we go to Donut Bank, or maybe you're one of those people that can't live without your Starbucks. <laughs> right? You have your 15-syllable coffee that you order through the, through the, the little thing as you're driving through, and, and they can understand you, but I'm sitting there going, what in the world are they saying? Right? So you go spend this money, all this extra money, to have all your special coffee. Could you just hold that if you would, please? Thank you. Okay, so let's look through this. Oh, we, got, we got some stuff. Okay, how about these makeup bags? Whew, this isn't mine. But we, we, we go buy the most expensive makeups, the designer stuff, because why? Because society says we need to be prettier. And so we put on all this makeup, we spend all this money to fit the society needs. You don't need to use that either. Okay. All right, then you go. All right, here we go. Let's keep on going. I got my ray gun. Um, this is a ray gun. No, it's not. It's a hair dryer. We go get our hair done. Right? We go get our hair done and spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars to get our hair done. Why? Because society says we got to look good. We want to look good. We got we to look like the girl next to us, the woman next to us. We got to show up at church. Ooh. You can hold that. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Got some other stuff in here. All right. Guys, we're coming at you. We hit our midlife crisis. Right? We got to have our sports car. Vroom, vroom. Right? We have a sports car. So we go spend the money and we get in debt. We can't afford to feed our kids because we got this stuff. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate that. I got some more stuff in here too. All right, here it is. Just for men. <laughs> Mustache and beard. I guess gray isn't hip. I didn't get the memo. Hey, hold that. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. And we got some more. We got some more in here. Okay. People are all into fitness. We got to work out. We got to work out. Get to the gym. We got to give thin er, big er, strong er. So you got to hold that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. We're toiling. We're toiling. All right, and then I have a toilet seat. I don't know why that's in there, but I'll, I'll let you think of an application. Here, hold that if you win. Toilet seat. We're toiling for toilet seats. All right. All right, then we get in here. All right, so then, and then you got the big, you go for the work for the big job. You work really hard. You work extra hard. You're never home with your family, so you can have the yourbigbankaccount.com and you want all the money, man. This is the thing. If you can... 
If you can make all the money, that is the thing in the world that you need to do. Why? Because society says you need to have all the money. Here, can hold that thing. There, I got this for you. You're having some issues. All right. Okay, there we go. Then, and then we get into this. Here we go. We are told that college is everything. College is good. We're told college is everything. So we get our first degree. Well, that wasn't enough. So we get our, our second degree. We keep on going. Man, we've got a lifetime of debt we're going to throw in our kids. So we go after our third degree. We're like, if I have more initials after my name than in my name, that is success, right? We think, okay, this is glass. You can't drop this. All right. Hold this. His arms are cramping. All right. Like anything else? That's it. At this point, his arms are full. His arms are full. He can't, he's been toiling and toiling. He has all these things and chasing after this stuff. And you know what happens? We have no room for what God has for us. We have no room. Our hands are full of err. We want to chase after everything what the world says we need to have. And we can't receive what God has for us. And according to what I read in this amazing book called the Bible, Jesus came to give us life, life abundantly. And when we're chasing after all this stuff, we don't have time or room to accept what God has, his best. You with me on that? Amen. Give it up for Colton. Thank you, brother. You want to just walk over here and... We'll bag this all up later. <laughs> Thanks, brother. I told him I was at. I was told him I was at. I got to use those for second service. I told him I was adding a weight to it, and he's like, "Oh, great." Listen, when we're content, when we're content, trusting what God has for us. We leave one hand open. We leave one hand open. Ready? What did I say? Better one hand with tranquility, with peace, because God has something for us. And by the way, all those things, all those things are not bad. They are not bad in themselves. God may have those for you. There's nothing wrong with any of them, but there's everything wrong when we're chasing after them with toil and envy in our hearts. You with me on that? Then Solomon, I love Solomon, he gives us an example. Look at verse 7. He gives us a practical example of what it looks like. Verse 7, it says again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not what? not content with his wealth. From whom I'm toiling, he said. Why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. It's meaningless because there's no win in comparison. No win. So here's a question. 
we need to ask ourselves this morning, where is our reference point for success? Where is our reference point to success? Where do we look to? Where do we determine what we think is okay, where we think we're successful, that we've accomplished? Do we even know who we're looking to? I guarantee we're all looking at someone somewhere. Who are we looking to when it comes to our marriages? Our homes, our kids, work, bank accounts, our possessions, our look. We're all looking somewhere, but do we know who we're looking at to get the answers, determine if it's successful or not? Friends, I've met people who were successful, older people who were successful. I've met young, younger people who were successful. I've met older people with great families and lives and younger people with great families and lives. I've met multiple people moving in multiple directions who seem to have it all together but actually don't. And King Solomon, if you look at his life, he's like, he's got it made. And what he's telling us, what God is telling you and me, it's chasing after the win. So who is our reference point for success? How do we know? How do we determine? I mean, I think you know the answer. I mean, because we're, we're in church, right? Well, here's where I may frustrate some of you this morning is this. Oh, snap. I hate seeing that when I'm watching TV shows. Friends, we all know the answer is God and Jesus. But I want you to hold into that tension this week. Throughout the week, come back next week, and we're going to reconcile this together. If there's no win in comparison, then who do I look to? We know who we're supposed to look to because we just, I just gave you the answer. But if we're honest, many times it's not Jesus. Many times in our lives, it's not God. It's not happening. We fail to see God in all his glory. We fail to see God in how much he loves us. Our identity is found in Jesus Christ. We may say God, we may say Jesus, but we're looking to the world for the answers. And if you ask me, it's time for us, the church, to get out of the land of Ur. You with me? Because when we sit there, when we live there, we can never be who God has called us to be because we're trying to be what the world says we need to be and we're missing out that's what I'm going to do right now I'm going to put this up on the screen here's some questions I want you to walk through pull out your phones did he really just say pull out my phones yeah pull out your phones take a picture of this here's some questions I want you to walk through over this next week help 
God, let God help you identify where is the errors in your life. Are you exhausted from trying to keep up with others? Are you broke from trying to keep up with others? Are you allowing what others have to keep you from enjoying what you have? Do you enjoy your kids? Or are you driving them crazy because everybody else's kids, is what their kids are doing, what they are accomplishing in life? That's real stuff, friends. As parents, we look at other kids and be like, oh, we got to push our children. They got to be the most athletic. They got to do all this. They got to be the most scholastic. Where do you think less of yourself? Because what others have are what they are doing. Where do you think more of yourself? Because of what you have or what you are doing. And the last one, again, we probably would never say this out loud. Where would you secretly enjoy to see failing? Who would you secretly enjoy to see failing? Welcome to the land of Ur. It's time for you and I, the church, to get on the train and get out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. God, thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Thank you for Jesus, which makes everything we talk about possible to walk away from living in this land of Ur, fighting through this greater than thing that just shoves itself in our face and into our lives. According to what I read in your word, we are all equal when it comes to the cross, the foot of the cross, and Jesus Christ. We are greater than no one, and no one is greater than us. We just lift up your praise because you're the only one who deserves it. Right now, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward. I want to share with you this morning, if you are struggling with this, you're feeling empty, lost, worthless, unsatisfied, and you want to break free, come forward and talk to our prayer team. Let them pray with you. Let them pray over you. Let them lift them up to the God, creator of the universe who loves you the most. And let his spirit work in your life to strengthen you, to fight, to look to others and think you're missing out. And if you're in this room this morning, and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, let me just tell you, it starts with him. It starts with Jesus. And if you're wondering what that looks like, how do you give your life to Jesus, what that, how that implies to your life personally, come forward. Talk to our prayer team. Ask them what it means to surrender their, your life. And God, we celebrated today, saying your praises, watch parents dedicate their children to you. I want to pray for one more thing. It's been two weeks since our light has been on. Two Sundays have gone by. We haven't celebrated a life changed. Through your son, Jesus Christ, God, I pray 
And I challenge us as a church to pray. This week, through the ministry of Vertical Church, will you call somebody to yourself? Will you use us to share the message of hope, the greatest message ever given to mankind that Jesus saves? Will you help us to keep our eyes open for the opportunities to do just that? And will you call someone to yourself? Will they come to see their need for Jesus and next week we can celebrate a life change? God, will you do that, please? It's all about you. All about you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless church. Have an amazing week.